G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. My name is Jacko and this week we're reviewing something that I'm going to say is lacklustre. With me is my friend the tinfoil prophet Riso and the angry, particularly angry bogan this week, Andy. How are you boys? I am awesome. I'm just grumpy our race sucked. <laughs> you also lost a multi on it too, so that I may did. have something to do with it. Listen, Saints, why did you have to crash out and Max, why'd your car break? Seriously. We will talk about everything that happened in the race shortly because that was massive. I don't think anybody saw that coming, but let's kind of talk about the weekend as a whole. Do you want to start pre-race? Yeah, we'll start pre-race. Seven of the teams actually brought upgrades this weekend. Were they significant upgrades? Were they just minors? Like what? How big? Some are you minor, some major. I know I've only got the parts that they've upgraded. I don't know exactly what they've done. Okay, that's cool. So for Red Bull, they've upgraded the front wing end plate. Ferrari have upgraded their diffuser. Alpine has done the floor and the rear brake cover. McLaren has the winglets on the rear corner upgraded. Aston Martin bought nothing. <laughs> Aston Martin bought rear wings and also the slow safety car. Williams is is a big one. The beam on the front wing, the floor, the front wing itself. Front brake duts all upgraded for them, and Haas brought a diffuser upgrade, which probably is similar to the Ferrari one. So that's a, across the field. That's a pretty solid. That's upgrade. seven of the ten teams, and we didn't think. I mean, we knew they were going to be bringing small things to I, Australia, but that sounds a lot bigger than what we first. Williams definitely does. Yeah, they had a lot to fix. They did. I mean, Latifi does keep breaking everything on the car. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't his fault this week. It wasn't his fault this week. However, the reputation is starting to build, and I'm sure as soon as we saw it all happen, we went, oh, yeah, that's about on cue. Yeah, but then when I saw the actual replay of what happened to him, I'm like, can we kick Stroll out of the sport? (sighs) Stroll is a fool. He's a dickhead. Just him trying to... When the interviews afterwards, him trying to explain <laughs> oh, what happened, but he's trying to not say it was him, but he couldn't blame it on anyone else because he went off the racing line. Like he went off. There was a clear. He turned line. into Latifi. Old mate on the Sky News was trying to draw the racing line, and there was, was a white line on the track. It was right next to the <laughs> All he would have to do was stay on that and check his mirrors. But man, that rich boy privilege is really getting to him. He thinks he does nothing wrong. What I thought about the interview in question was just. Like, even if it's your fault, don't waffle. Just look at it and go, yeah, we had an incident, and walk away. Like, at least try and build some form. Just don't be a dickhead. Yeah. He, he's the most un-Canadian person I've, or Canadian I've ever seen. Well, he's known. definitely un-Canadian. He didn't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> if he'd have been a Canadian, he would have been like, yeah, that was my bad, sorry. I bet you Latifi said sorry, even though it wasn't his fault. Latifi's the sort of man that would apologize. Oh, look. I know the Latifi definitely apologized to his team, 100%, because that it wasn't a particularly fast crash, but it was an insane amount of wreckage on that Williams. It got blown to pieces. It was some, I don't reckon the TV did it justice. They were still going probably over maybe 200 kilometers. I don't know. It was the, on the straight. The th- yeah, they were, going, they were coming up to a braking zone, weren't they? But they weren't there yet. But both no. of them had slowed, because that's what got them into yeah. the issue in the first place, is that Latifi was told hey, there's a car coming, slow down, and he pulled right to the left, no, no, no. almost in the runoff. No, and no. then, hold on. Yeah. And then, as Stroll's gone past, Stroll's been told, hey, there's a car coming up behind you, slow down, which happened to be Latifi. So they weren't going at max speed because both of them were shuffling and reshuffling again. Have you watched the, re- the replay? Latifi was behind. 
Yeah, no, Stroll Le- turned into him. No, Latifi pulled over first because yeah, yeah, he no, got a blue flag. Yes, you're and right. But before that, okay, Latifi was originally in front to let Stroll in front. Then Latifi tried to go back in front, and that's when they connected. Okay, and Stroll turned. I into only him. seen the small replay on Reddit that showed Stroll turning into Latifi. No, when it happened, that's why there was so much. What's going on here? Because there was, I don't, I don't know if it was a false blue flag that Latifi originally got, but something caused Latifi to pull off first, and then someone sent the message to Stroll, and then Stroll, who, I mean, Aston's upgrade should have been some fucking rearview mirrors, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Qualifying though. Pretty standard. Should we talk about the other Aston Martin crashing? Yeah, Seb. Man, he got a fine for it. Getting on the fucking scooter. That was bullshit. That was complete <laughs> bullcrap. He was, um, because they both crashed in FP3. Yes. I thought it was FP1. No. That Seb crashed. Oh, he did crash in FP1 and that's when he got this, the fine. And then FP3, they both crashed. And then the mechanics. I see, I was at work. I didn't get to watch FP3. Yeah, no, FP3, both Aston's went out. Um, and crashed. Strolls was a minor damage. Vettel's was huge. And they were both right up until qualifying. In, in fact, if the red flag didn't happen, Vettel wouldn't have put a lap in. His car wasn't ready. But all the red flags allowed Vettel to actually come out and put a lap in. Not that it did anything for the team. Hey, he got 18th, didn't he? I called that too, didn't I? He did. I called that. <laughs> I don't get a point for it, but I definitely called that. Did you call Albon getting disqualified? No, but he didn't, did he? No, he got he disqualified in qualifying. That's why he started P20. He was supposed to get a three-place penalty from the crash last week. Oh, I thought you meant the race. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, he made the race, didn't he? And then, yeah, in, quali- um, in qualifying, he, he just didn't have enough fuel, similar to Seb fuel. last year. Yeah, didn't have the 100 mils. I did see a steward's letter for fuel. Yeah, and he it, got disqualified from quali, so right. he got pushed to P20. Here's where here's where I struggle with that. It didn't say the driver. It only said the car number, and I looked into it and I go, I have no fucking idea who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Just was like, someone's in trouble. It was a good showing from most of the teams in qualifying. Haas was kind of the, the one that was most shocking for me. It, they just seemed off the pace all weekend. It they did. shocked me and made me look like a fool. Yeah, Good. you put K-Mag in. <laughs> I did. But here's the thing. I didn't put Leclerc in mine. <laughs> Science was definitely in mine. You know what the fucking worst part is? He came first this weekend. I did. Yes. I he did. got eight points by just getting the winner. Victory. Well done. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe I didn't I put Charles in there. Reckon, I'm stupid. I reckon I David stupid. nearly got better than you. David got... Yeah, David <laughs> did. Me and him tied with three points. Jack got one point. That's bullshit. Do you know what the most frustrating part about that is? Dave didn't even put in his... No, we made a joke. <laughs> it we was made a, a joke. joke. <laughs> three was... of them got in there. It's bullshit. He's got a lot of points. He only got three, and he only had one going into That's it. 300% more than I have this week. <laughs> But so we'll get to that later. We will. We will we'll do our, all our points right at the end. I mean, another thing we should probably talk about in qualifying was the sun. So there was a couple of red flags, which the race was happening later in the year than it's ever happened. Because normally we're first, right? In uh, early, late February, early March. It's usually early March, yeah. Early March. So the daylight in, savings is still a thing. Yep. And it's no daylight savings at the moment. We're in there early April. A couple of red flags. Sun started going down, which caused a lot of the drivers to request either new visors, which the teams didn't do. The teams just kind of bung a little bit of electrical tape across the top of the visor for some glare. That's mental. Yeah, like... How much money is in this sport and it's a bit of electrical tape to fix the glare? (laughs) Seriously! If I had to guess, it's more of a timing constraint being like, look, man, you need to get out there for another lap now. And like... 
I mean, if you think with all drivers complaining about the FIA could give them a five-minute window to replace all the visors. The funny thing was, like, ten minutes later, the sun set and they were all complaining that it was too dark. <laughs> yeah. They can't win. No. Because there's no light set up around Albert Park either because lighting a track, the reason we get so excited for night races is it takes an insane amount of logistics to get a track lit for nighttime running. And there was no way they had enough lights on hand to give illumination to half the circuit, let alone the full thing. So qualifying was essentially a race against red flags and a race against the setting sun. It looked beautiful in the afternoon with that setting sun. The cars looked incredible again. But I do want to talk about who I think should have been a lot higher up in qualifying, which was Fernando Alonso. He binned it massively. But if you look at the telemetry data of his sectors, now on TV broadcast, we get three sectors every race. But on the team's telemetry, they break it up into almost 15 sectors. Pretty much every corner is a sector and every straight's its own sector. That's how minute they go into the details. And he was purple in pretty much every sector on that lap. He was going hot. He, he was cooking. He like claimed he was going to be on the front row, and I believe that. That was going for a pole lap. Like, uh, that was pole position if he managed to get that thing home, because yeah. I can't see him letting up whatsoever. Did you notice, though, that when he did go off, he was battling to get the car from fourth into third gear? Yeah, he did say something like that. He hit the grass just beforehand. And I thought that was it, but then later he did say that he couldn't he couldn't shift down. Yeah, and if you see the footage, he's quite aggressively banging on that left rocker gear paddle to bring it down. It stays in fourth, and it just kind of the wheels don't turn. The car just kind of goes straight on right into the barriers. It's better than his last crash at Australia. I can't even remember his last yeah, when crash when he was at in Australia. the McLaren and he binned it into turn one and he flipped it through the gravel trap. He destroyed that McLaren. Were there halos back then? Cause if no, because it was 2016. Oh. It was a ba- big one. That's terrifying. If anyone hasn't watched the sport before the introduction of halos, crashes now are remarkably a lot safer than they used to be. The halo, like if a driver flipped, if the car landed wrong, they'd bang their top of the head on the track in some cases. Mm-hmm. If they were particularly tall, any debris would come straight into the cockpit. A wheel might fly up and hit them. Now that that halo's there, it's pretty much like having a, Protective shell. I mean, that's why they call it the halo, right? Basically. I guess the takeaway for Fernando there is is that, one, he still has incredible pace. There's no denying that that man is quick. Two, there's no denying that that Alpine is very quick this year. If Fernando can do that, I mean, Ocon's slow, so he's not really putting on a massive performance. Do you guys have any other takeaways from qualifying? Well, I was at work, so I didn't get to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing from that crash, it was Signs putting in a hot lap and missing out just because he was a few hundred meters, or not even a hundred meters from the finish line. That's right. I got it. They red flagged it and all the laps, if you're on a hot lap and they red flag the session, all the laps get binned. Despite even though you're so far away from the crash, they just wipe it off the board. So Leclerc was really lucky to get over the line half a second before they called the yellow flag. Red flag. Red. Because if it's yellow, you can still snake past. However, if it's a red flag, they delete every lap time that it was running before they hit the finish line. Does anyone remember where Charles was sitting before? Say if he didn't make it, where would he been? He was second behind Verstappen. Verstappen just got pole over it, I'm pretty sure. True. And that wouldn't have had any effect on the race, which we'll get into later. But then, yeah, Signs apparently his engine didn't start and he was laid out on the restart and then he wasn't able to get above P9. 
which is unlock the Ferraris. Yeah, that was, I think that was my biggest takeaway from qualifying. Also, Mick out-qualified K-Mag. K-Mag. And I believe that um, Mick finished in front of him in the race right at the end there. Yes. Yep. But they, they placed relatively poorly considering where they've been. However, I think that may be more of a track issue than it is anything to do with Haas itself. They said they had learning to do from this weekend in the post-race interview. The good thing is all their wheels stayed on. <laughs> that's the first time that's happened in a while in Australia for them. That's a solid plus for them. And also, like, from their start of the season, we've always said that there's going to be a lot of moving around in that middle field. So I guess the biggest surprise with all the moving around is essentially Red Bull not having a reliable... I mean, I'm going to say engine. I know Helmut Marco's come out and said it's not engine, it's still the fuel issue. Yep. Essentially, either it's drawing too much fuel in or... Well, it was a fuel leak this week. A fuel leak. Another thing that's been reported or rumoured is that due to the E10 burning differently, when fuel goes into an engine, in most internal combustion engines, it is ignited. However, it's not a 100% reaction. There's always a little bit left. So some of that fuel that's not being burned is essentially so hot that it's heating up parts of the engine more than it should. So that it's essentially cooking from the inside, and once it gets to a certain temperature, it just turns off and stops. Yeah. But who knows, because these teams never really say what went wrong unless they're blaming someone else. Well, I mean, it speaks volumes for what happened with Red Bull before the race. Like, they were changing parts left, right, and center in Park Ferme. Because there's only a few things you can change in Park Ferme, isn't it? It's relatively yeah. strict. Yeah, but Red Bull, before the race... Auxiliary radiators in both Checo and Max's car. And in Max's car, they changed the LHS deflector, the fuel cell loom, clutch actuator, gearbox hydraulics and actuators, clutch breakout uh, box. Like they changed so much on I Max's have a question. car. What? I don't know what any of that shit was. <laughs> I know what some of it is, but <laughs> what didn't they change, Andy? Because that to me essentially sounds like we've done everything but change a the new engines. Engine. Yeah, basically. A new engine because that's what clutch yep. radiator is directly related to heating fuel loom is the electronics relating to getting the pump and all that and that's yep. one of the issues they had the two weeks ago in Bahrain wasn't it yeah in Bahrain they had the both cars went out didn't they yep yep look I think that's it for qualifying there wasn't a huge amount to talk about in qualifying a lot of the cars went out and did well it was nice to see oh maybe McLaren yeah that's exactly what I was going to bring up Two things I want to bring up about McLaren. One, they're on the up. They had a pretty decent showing this weekend. But two, every single time the camera went to Daniel Ricciardo, the crowd went insane. If you were watching any part of like, the pre-race broadcast, when in one of the uh, qualifying sessions when it was red flagged, they just cut the car. They cut the feed to Daniel Ricciardo sitting there with his car just ticking over. And because most of the cars were off, you could hear the crowd roar. This was also a record-breaking attendance for the Australian GP. Over the course of the weekend, just under half a million people attended. Just 400,000 there on race day. 400,000 on race day. So That's crazy. Yeah, it's huge. So maybe I read it wrong then. Maybe it was 400. Yeah. So it, it would have been over then, cumulative. Is yeah. that including the V8s? Or yeah, it's yeah, including anyone that walked so through a turnstile. Yeah. Yep. Thinking, that's huge. That, it was huge. Four Even, times higher than the highest recorded crowd in Australian history, sports history. The last one was like 110,000 at the AFL Grand Final, and this quadrupled it. That's amazing. I think the AFL Grand Final was only limited by seats. However, this is 
awesome for us as motorsports fans in this country. One, it's great having a race here in Australia. One, it's the only time we can actually stay up and watch it. And both Reese and I had very positive experiences this weekend because we got to watch it with our friends in the daytime. The second time I've watched it with people and it's so much exciting when you get people that are so passionate about the sport and oh, just absolutely. cheering along. There might just be a pass or something and then there's just so much um, hate and love within the field. To see Stroll go down the field. Uh, Chef's kiss. It was beautiful to see him just slowly get out of points because he did not deserve points. And look, I mean, we rag on Stroll quite a bit. But he deserves it. And look, I think he almost does too because I think the official Formula Bum statement, if we ever get a lawyer knock on our door, is we don't think he's passionate enough. And he's clearly shown that. Yeah. I mean, he didn't realize he made the mistake in the race. At the end of the race, after he was he ran Bottas off the road and he got that five-second penalty, he was like, I don't know why I got the penalty. You literally pushed him off the you, track. You, you did the wrong thing, mate, and you, you're saying you don't know? Fuck off. Learn to drive. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole series on Netflix about learning to drive. I think we can attribute a lot of the growth to the to the Australian GP weekend, one, a big chunk of it has to come from Netflix, right? Definitely. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of the show, but I'm not going to knock it for what it's done to the sport. It's an inherently good thing for bringing new fans in. They just need to stop making make-believe stories. That's yeah, that's my job. I make shit up here. Also, not having it for two years and then having so much access, a new world champion, a lot of new young drivers come in who are all very, like, also... Fun fact, this was the first race ever that the Twitch Quartet all scored points together. I did say that, yeah. So the Twitch Quartet is Charles, Lando, George, and Albon. They all race online together and stream. And that's another big part of this generation of races is their interaction with their communities is so much more intimate than it has been in any other year of driving because you either reach out to them on Instagram or they stream online. Max also jumps on with those boys on occasion and races online. I think he pops in up on sim racing every now and then. Max is always on sim racing. It's not every now and then. That motherfucker <laughs> gets on Discord at race events just to watch his friend stream. Like, he's so into it. And that's only... I love it too because it's so good for the sport because people are clearly showing up for it now. 400,000 people is an insane amount of people, especially in Australia, which has, what, 22 million? Yeah. yeah. Just over. I don't know. How big's Melbourne? It would only be 5 million, 6 million. Like, it's nearly 10% of Melbourne. Yeah, it's huge. Massive. And people are flying from all over the country to see it. I know this is a Formula 1 podcast, but the supercars were pretty unreal this weekend. I didn't get to watch them. Yeah. I mean, they have... So, in supercars, if anyone doesn't follow, there is a bit of a Lewis Hamilton-style dynasty forming now under a a young Kiwi driver called Shane Van Gisbergen. He's not a young fella. He's like 33, 34. Young at heart. I mean, I'm nearly he's 30. He's been around since 2006, 2007, mate. Yeah, he has, but I'm nearly 30. So if I don't say he's young, that also <laughs> means I'm old too. And I don't want that to happen yet either. I'm barely clinging on, man. My lower back's out. I'm telling you right now. Boys, that is enough about everything but the race. Let's just talk about the race. So, pole position, Charles Leclerc. Second place, Max. Third I can't remember. It was Checo. All the way down to ninth, like, uh, signs. I can't remember anybody else. You're really bad at this. I have a shocking memory. I also had, like, 14 beers watching the race yesterday, so. So, it was Charles first, Max second, Checo third, Lando fourth, Lewis fifth, George sixth. I'm blanking on seven. Uh, that was Norris and then Danny. 
No, no Norris no. was four. Danny yeah. must have been seven. Danny yeah. would have been yeah. seven. Then. Hamilton, Russell, Danny. Danny, eight was, now this is where I'm drawing my blank. Uh, Ocon. Ocon. Then Sainz. Then... Alonso. Alonso. Tenth. Then it's Gasly. Bottas. Eight. 13th was Sonoda. 14th, Joe. Or is it Joe, 13th, 14th, Sonoda? Uh, Joe was 14th. So I'm missing 13th. Who cares? I do want to talk. <laughs> God damn it. I was really going good You're there. Going it was great. pretty impressive. That was, that so was impressive. pretty impressive. Valtteri Bottas had his streak of 103 three. Three Q3 appearances broken. It was always going to happen this year. Oh, it had it, it was inevitable it was going to happen, but also congratulations, mate, because that is an insane run of consistency. That's amazing. That genuinely, and like he is a phenomenal driver. I guess the only dig we can ever throw at him is he sometimes he doesn't get his elbows out. That's it. That's my yeah, only that's real critique. But we know why. It's because James is always in his ear. Yeah, 100%. Give, it, give him a few more races before we say he doesn't get his elbows out. Oh, this isn't based on this year. That's just oh, since I've watched the sport. Yeah, when he was in a Mercedes, when James was always telling him to get the hell out of the way for Lewis. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? You are very correct there. The first thing we need to talk about in the race is signs crashing out on lap two or three. Lap two, but he had a shocking start. So I bet you didn't know he changed the wheel just before the race. No idea. Yeah, he changed his wheel. There must have been like... Wheel or wheels? Like his, his steering, steering wheel. Oh, yep, yep. So he changed his steering wheel and there mustn't have been programmed correctly because off the line he got anti-stall. He finally gave him got, Joe's wheel. Yeah, he, he was struggling around that first lap. You seen him drop, just start dropping down the order. Commentators incorrectly said that it was because he had hard tires on. No, it was he, was, he had anti-stall. He dropped down the grid. He was just getting his tires warmed up. He pushed a little too hard on the hard tyre and spun out into the gravel trap. We're definitely seeing the effect of the tyre blankets being cooled off this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially when it comes to, and I know we've just finished talking about qualifying, but we are seeing a lot of drivers struggle to, on their outlaps or at the start of the race or exit laps from the pits mid-race, get those tyres warmed up as easy as they did last year. And this answer is really simple. It's because the tyres are starting a lot colder than they've ever started before. I think they're a lot thick. Like, there's a lot more material to heat up as well. They are bigger. They are definitely bigger, so it's harder for them to heat up and stay yeah. consistently heated. And with how the new aero is angling air off and around the cars and the braking systems, that's also fiddling with how the tyres warm up too. Do you have any more information on what caused signs of accident? No, because basically it. The tyre just wasn't... Warm enough. He pushed a bit too hard to make a position. He got a bit squirrely. Yeah. And especially he, that admit, he admitted it. He admitted it yeah. at the end of the race. He was like, yeah, like I probably shouldn't have done that. My bad. He was coming hot to that corner. He was absolutely cooking. And Shit. when you look at how good the Ferrari is this year, there was no need to rush anything for him. No. He is one of the best drivers on the grid. He's in the best car on the grid. There's no doubt about that anymore. The Ferraris are bloody unstoppable. While we're on the hard tires, I just wanted to bring up everyone qualified on soft tires, and they no one started on soft tires. That's because there's a new rule, mate. Yeah, they've uh, made an adjustment to the rule, essentially saying that the Q2 qualifying tire mandatory start tire has been abolished. Which last year and for many many years before, if you whatever you put your time in in Q2 was the tire you had to start on, not only the compound that exact tire. Well, that exact Yes, tire. yeah, exactly yep. oh, that tyre. I didn't know that. But yep. then also, I don't know about that rule. I, I like they changed it just at the start of this year to 
I guess with the new regulations for the arrow and stuff, they didn't want to leave teams too disadvantaged. But in saying that, bring it back. It was a sick rule. See, I I disagree. No, but it was a good strategy play. It, it yeah, it shows your hand beforehand, and then other people can combat in the backfield. And then also, you, yeah, this kind it of just gives an advantage to those poor saps who didn't make it to Q three. Right here, and that that's that's the area where I think it needs adjusting. So here's my point. Yes. It does make the top of the grid change strategy, start, makes them think more about the qualifying. However, I just feel really, really bad for uh, place 15. Why? Wait, is it 15 or 10? 10. 10. I feel bad for them because the car right behind them, which is normally, and because th- those positions there are only by tenths, hundredths of a second, right? They, those are the ones who are negatively impacted by forcing to start on the tyre because I think it should just be the top five. No. T- I do. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You, you're, you you're, think, yeah, your you're reason. What about poor sixth place? Think about Fuck a few him. years ago. Normally Pierre. Fuck him. No, I like no, Pierre. No, no, no. If you think about it a few years ago, Lewis had a point where he couldn't make it through on the medium tyre, so he's had to push on a soft tyre, which means everyone in front of him starting on the medium and he's disadvantaged on the soft. That's the risk you got to run in Q2. If you want to make Q3 and try for that pole lap, you've yeah. got to risk it for the biscuit. I like, I'll, I, yeah, I did like it. You got some risked it, and then that forced their hand in the race, and other teams were able to kind of pick their tyres for the strategy in the race and still qualify for the top 10 and then prove themselves in the top 10. You do make a good point, but you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not. But as I said, I also don't care that much about it. I genuinely I do. don't. I think it was a unique thing about F1 that they did that. And the fact that it was there was a good strategy thing for us fans to watch and get an enjoyment from seeing all these teams play with the tyres. We know the top 10 have to start on whatever tyre that they qualified in Q2 on. It was great to see these cars qualifying further back. They get an advantage. Imagine like if Lewis didn't, a few weeks ago when Lewis didn't make it out of Q1. Those guys had to start on softs. He could have started on hards. I think he did anyway. Gone through the whole race and been there with track position right at the end. It makes strategy yeah. cool. And, and it gives qualifying a better aspect when you're just going to run softs the whole time and then start out on your other exactly. hards and mediums because they're going to get you the full race. I think I know what the issue is here. You guys are both far smarter than me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's the issue we've uh, stumbled upon here. I'm sitting here being like, cars go vroom, and you guys are like, the strategy the tactics, this and that. I'm just like, I'll go broom, broom, real fast. Red, red goes faster, <laughs> and it does this year. <laughs> Should we break it down into in our powertrain groupings and get right into the nuts and bolts? Yeah, let's go. Where do you want to start this week, mate? Uh let's start with pick a team or engine. Let's start with Mercedes because I think we always start with Mercedes. Yes, but that Mercedes has a lot to talk about across their. Across their factory team and their customer teams. And let's start with the worst of the bunch. We will start today with Aston Martin. Not Williams? No, Williams did a lot better this weekend. Okay, we'll start with Aston. They were shit. Yep. You know what? Their their safety car did more laps than them. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't fast. Oh, speaking of safety car and safety car restarts, did you guys notice the The anti-max rule? (laughs) (laughs) The anti-supermax rule. The, the what was it? Crofty called it the Verstappen rule, even though it applies to all play all, all teams and all drivers. It was specifically brought in. For oh, that. absolutely! So if anyone's not aware, 
This race, under safety car restarts, they set very strict guidelines on the positioning of the cars in the queue. You could not go beyond their rear wheel under the safety car formation. Max couldn't give the hurry up. Yep. And Max traditionally will sit right next to the car in front with his wheel just sort of aligned with their rear view mirrors. Is that to get the extra distance or just mind games? Because that's I feel just like mind games. Yeah, because yeah, he's never, he's never. Like, I guess, yeah, it always gives you that meter. You'd wa- realistically in a restart, you'd want to be single file right behind the other yeah, team to get the slipstream. Max, on the other hand, is like, no, I'm going to get right up in their face. It's mind games, hundred. Especially with how well he corners too. Yeah. Especially with how well he corners too. But the new rule is that yeah, you can't go past their rear wheel. That's a crap rule. I mean, it's targeting my boy. So it's targeting Max. It's not targeting anyone else. It's for the whole racing field. Yeah, but it's targeting one <laughs> yeah, yeah, driver. Yeah, the thing. No one else does it, though. It's only Max. If you've any, watched any race, as soon as there's... A, that's why whenever a safety car comes out, everyone's like, oh, here we go, because Max will bully whoever's in front of him while he's under the safety car to get that position. Back on Aston, though. Really not good showing there whatsoever. So Stroll's being penalised. Three penalty points coming out of the weekend. Yeah, and that's massive. For a, he deserves 12, it. He does. He does. It was a very big weekend of disappointment for the whole team. Um, Good on their garage from fixing the cars and getting them out there. Oh, Did you hear what right. happened after uh, qualifying? No. My crack. Sorry. My crack. <laughs> yeah, but uh, what about the team principal? What did he say? <laughs> Mike crack forced the team into a room and he made the drivers apologize and thank the team for all their hard work because they kept binning it. Yeah. Now, when they say force the drivers in there, I'm sure Seb was there because he had to be, not because of any of his behavior, because he is fantastic to his team. I'm pretty sure Seb would have wanted to apologize. I guarantee it was forcing Stroll in there to apologize. I think so. Stroll caused a lot of damage this weekend, a fair bit of dangerous driving. He ran Valtteri off on one of the corners, and that was a very high speed. He binned it twice. And he binned it twice. And once into Latifi, completely. Oh, he turned ruined. into Latifi. Yeah, straight into him. Straight into the side of him. Not a good showing for Aston Martin. I don't see them... I Look, they're going to come last this year. I can't see them fixing it enough to pip anybody in front of them. Their car is awful. You see, the balancing is, is, is off. I reckon it's half the, the engineers at the top designing it. There's a few footages of them trying to drive in a straight line and their steering is wobbling. It's just not... Seb said there's just too much going on to keep a car fast. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it, it seems that way too, doesn't it? I think this is Seb's last year now. I don't see him wanting to come back. He's not he's not there anymore. Yeah, no, he when you're as accomplished and also talented as Seb, you don't do this sport to be struggling as much as he is. And also with how he does have that reputation now of not being at his peak, I can't see another team willing to take a punt on him unless he comes back as a reserve driver for some team. That would be his best bet for getting back in a car after this year. But in reality, honestly, I think where we see his career going next is professionally mentoring young drivers like Mick, and I can see him heavily involved in the German. I don't see that. I see him going more into his humanitarian stuff, and he really goes into that one-world sort of logic. Do you know what? Either either option is a good spot for Sebi. He's a really good person. He really likes his humanitarian work. I can't see him doing anything other than that. He's, oh. he's done the driving. He's done what he liked. Now he's going to do something he's passionate about. Yeah, and he's a four-time world champion. He's got nothing to prove to anybody. We know what he was like. It's just it's sort of sad seeing him drive around now. It is. It is. And because 
because Kimmy was so apathetic, it was it was like a funny in joke for the whole community how Kimmy just doesn't care. There's even those footages under the safety car of Kimmy just driving straight. Did you see Norris do that this weekend? No, I no I didn't. So on the first safety car, you see all the cars waving and Norris is just straight lining it. And I was like, oh, shades of Kimmy, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> if only he'd talk as much as Kimmy, then I'd be happy. That's rude. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, that's really all there is to say about Aston Martin. They barely showed up. Seb copped a fine for riding a scooter. That was crap. Did you see the meme of the the turn one of Australia a few years ago, and they just photoshopped Seb on the scooter? I didn't see that from turn one, but I saw heaps of memes of him photoshopped in front of uh, with a menu log bag on the back of the scooter. <laughs> I saw him photoshopped in front of the Moto GP. Uh, I guarantee you that scooter was faster than that goddamn Aston Martin. I think I know what Seb's doing after this. He'll be the professional recovery scooter driver for any time someone crashes them. By I say anyone, I mean Latifi and Stroll. And every now and then signs. And Ocon, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Mercedes factory team. And I, I want to start with this one because I know I rag on them a lot. However, I think it was a very good showing for their team this week. This weekend. And also, they're sitting in bloody second in the constructors as well. And second in the drivers. George is second. Yeah, they performed really well. It doesn't feel like he should be, does it? But he is. They've got the fifth quickest car in. Even they say they've got the fifth quickest car. And I think they just outperformed it this weekend. They didn't get caught up in anything. They were just there and ready to pick up the pieces. And they were still struggling with... Every issue they've been struggling with, they were still struggling with. That car looked horrific going into corners. That car looked it was bouncy overweight. on the straight. It was he- it was overweight because they were testing something. Yeah, they had extra it. sensors on the week this weekend, so it was like 1.3 kilos heavier than normal. Which is still like 4 kilos lighter than the Aston Martin, which is, I think, 7 or 8 kilos overweight at this point. Just don't bother turning up. What's the point? You're wasting money at this point. Just develop your 2023 car. Yeah, but who are they going to copy off? They can't copy off Mercedes anymore. Yeah, I know, right? And also, I think that's maybe what we are seeing is the hangover period from going all in on a shady design of a car. There was also a big exodus when Stroll took over that Racing Point team because Otmar left eventually. He stuck it out for a year. But there was an exodus of quite a few engineers and some brains in that team because of the culture that a billionaire owning the team bought. So they also lost a lot of their brains trust as well. And I think we're seeing the fruit of that is... They just don't have the personnel, the know-how, or the experience to dig themselves out of this hole. How long till Stroll sells the team? I don't know. Because um, he can't be making money off this. And he's a billionaire. He's not going to stay in something that doesn't make money. But it's for his son. He loves his no. son. No. Interesting, no. Interesting. It's but not. It, no, interestingly enough, in interviews, and I, it, it's hard because none of us are anywhere or ever will be close to being billionaires, <laughs> but... When Lawrence took over this team, he's like, no, I mean, I bought the team my son's racing in because, of course. But he goes, I bought this team so that I can win a world championship. Like, he's got his own stake in this. It's not just for his son. Lawrence Stroll genuinely wants to be a world championship team owner for his own thing. And I truly believe that, and I mean, not this year because the car's the big issue, but say if the car was good this year and Stroll was performing the way he's performing, I would say that he would still move his son on eventually. I don't think he has any qualms about making brutal, unethical business decisions. So you're saying Mazepin's going there next year? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. 
Yeah, no. Oh, look, I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on with Aston. I can't see. A, I don't see points this year. No. Well, they're the only team that doesn't have points at the moment. Yep. And I can't, unless there's another case. We're like, meant to be talking about Mercedes yeah. factory, though. How do we get here again? We do this every time. <laughs> <laughs> the Mercedes factory team. George is, as I said last week, he's more comfortable driving cars that aren't up to spec and it's showing. Definitely. I was, yeah, I was real surprised. He was lucky with the safety car to get out back in third. Did you notice Lewis Sook after that? Put me in a really difficult position there, boys. Yeah. I'm like, mate, I can't predict when so-and-so is going to put it in the wall or someone's going to put it in the gravel trap. Like, what does he expect from Bono? I, as a strat person, are you predicting some flags? There's been so many flags. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I reckon as a strat man, you're kind of predicting it. But then again, he did so well. He tried to defend against Perez, which then he got called off because his tire jag was going too um too down. And that and it shows Mercedes strength. Their strength has always been that they are a a, a team first team. Definitely. Where they knew that we don't need to fight him. He will eventually get you. Don't waste your tires now, mate, because it's inevitable. Let him go past, keep your tires, and then we can defend this position or attack somewhere else. It was a very, very smart strategy call by the Mercedes factory. Team. Even though George didn't want to do it. No, no, no driver wants to be told no. anything but, but go quicker. And at the time, it put him out of the podium. It was after Max crashed yeah. out and um, well, not crashed. Well, what I wanted to say is Lewis pretty much gave up the position, whereas George fought it for an extra lap. Yeah. It shows what passion. I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I was real narky on Russell at the start of the year, but I'm really liking him. I'm liking his character. I still don't. He's post interviews and just let's head down, let's make this car. We're still he. I, I, Actually, you know what? His I, interviews were very, very schmick this I week. Thought he was, trained. I thought he was going to cry on podium, but he didn't. And then post post interview, he said, "We still got more to do. Yep. This isn't enough. We we're kind of lucky." What about Lewis's uh, slight little dig saying, "Congratulations on your first podium"? Oh, that was so <laughs> good. <laughs> but also, in in reality, that technically is his first. Podium. Real podium. Yeah. That, that Spa one shouldn't count. And look, now that he's got his first real podium, I don't think he or anyone else will bring up Spa again, except when we get into nerdy stat yeah. competitions. But in reality, he earned that. He did incredibly well. That car is still very, very hard to drive. And the big comparison to make is between them and the Ferraris. And the Sky Sports Hub did a lot of comparison between those two vehicles. And the big takeaway was... They are both having equal porpoising on the straights. However, when it comes to the corner, the Ferrari would hunch down, become very stable, and go through like a rocket, where pretty much every corner that you saw George and Lewis going into, they had a snap of oversteer. I also seen them go like this through to or bounce a little bit through the corners as well compared to the Ferrari. Absolutely. But they, did you notice that um the Ferraris don't give a crap about porpoising anymore? Because they were porpoising on the straights like crazy. What? What? Yeah. Why would you need to? When essentially at this point, with how quick it is, it goes. Are your necks holding up? And they both go, "Yes, boss." So no issues. Yeah. They're still going to work on it. But there will never be cars without porpoising when ground effect is involved. Agreed. Because how much do you reckon the porpoising added to Science Crash? I was thinking that. How no. dizzy would not? No, he, he just overcooked and it. N- now I know about the steering wheel. It makes a lot more sense that it didn't. Yeah. No. Look, if if porpoising was going to cause so much instability to lead to a crash, I think we would have seen it in qualifying where they are right on the limit or in races previous to this. However, you could 
you could definitely say that at some point in him losing offline and going too hard that the car would have sprung or bounced in a direction causing more instability. But by that stage, I think he had already lost it. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah, going hot. It's Mercedes. Like, they have made a, a bad car. In relatively regards, bad. Yeah, relatively bad, but bad in terms of what they're capable of. They're sitting second in the championship. They have a driver in second position in the World Drivers' Championship. They scraped up a podium and good points finishing. It's bloody Mercedes. They, they are the, the best. Let's talk about Williams. So I thought you were going to forget about them. No, no, no. I remember them now. <laughs> but I'm only going to talk about one driver. No, I'll talk about both. What are your boys' takeaways on the Williams team I think Latifi sh- suffered because of Stroll's crash. Absolutely. But Albon is now the king of the tyres. That was incredible. That's the big takeaway there. He 57 went, laps on a hard tyre. And the only reason he went in was because he would have been disqualified yeah. if he didn't. He would have finished that race fine. Yeah, and he still got 10th. Yeah, and he went in in position 8th? 7th. 7th. So he only lost a couple at the end of the race. Yeah. Also, that shows how close the cars are at the end of the race this year. Charles accepted that a lot of the cars were so close that even at lap 57 or 58, diving in for that 20-second pit stop still is causing a drop back in places. Do you know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago, if you were in the top 10, there was a 15, 20-second gap between a good he chunk of cars. He could have easily made that pit stop and not lost the position two years ago. Absolutely. It was. It took me by surprise because I didn't notice that he didn't pit. It also doesn't help that they barely got on camera the whole weekend. Classic. I put sports F1 there. Classic. It was an amazing drive by Albon. He came from 20th to 10th. That's a Lewis Hamilton quality drive. In a shit box. Yeah. And yeah, because it was amazing. I didn't know because someone at the event was telling me if the pit line, pit, the pit line or the pit crew was below behind the finish line, he could have pitted on the last lap and then just crossed it. Is that correct? Yeah, if it's behind the line, I think they've amended the rule. They would have, though. That's uh, not a gap they would like to see exploited. So yeah. what happened, I think it was in happened. the 90s. Yeah, it happened. Michael before. Schumacher actually got disqualified, well, got a black flag five laps before the end of the race, and he didn't take it until the very last lap. So he's crossed the line and then served his penalty, and it counted. <laughs> and it's only it was like two weeks later after appeals it finally got squelched from him but he was up there on that podium he celebrated a race win when he eventually should have been disqualified yeah so I think that rule has been amended so uh, Albon pitted at the absolute last opportunity yeah I, I don't know but I can't see the FIA leaving that door open one because it's it's dangerous by that stage you already have pit crew coming across the pit lane to celebrate on the wall there would be people everywhere. And two, it's not good sportsmanship, I would say, to kind of do a dodgy like that. It is a bonus for coming last in the constructors because your pit box is further well down. further up, yeah. Um, but no, Albon, incredible drive. It's Ooh. so nice to see him back in the sport. Lovely, lovely performance. Solid drive all round. Got a point. Well done, mate. Yeah. Latifi. I think after that incident with Stroll, he was just shaken. I just think the car wasn't there. I think they just sort of patched the car together and made him go out there. So he wasn't really going to be a factor. Yeah, that's another good point too. That car, and the same the same can be said about Seb's car then, that it just, it was barely put back together. Yeah. There was probably, <laughs> there was probably just the default setup on it. 
You know what that means now, boys? We're up to big dick, Danny. We're up to big, and thank God they did well. I don't want to be alarmist or anything, but I'm calling it right now. McLaren's back, baby. They're not. I know. (laughs) (laughs) They they just, they got lucky because it was a fast circuit, which it was. It's four seconds quicker this year. And it w- the, the 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 corners it seemed like all the corners were fast. There was no real windy windies ones like the European ones have. Yeah, it wait till we get to Emola, then we'll really see how bad they are. They're they're not getting anywhere near points next next race. No, that and that's the reality. Of the situation is that this track and fast, very fast tracks, and also flowy tracks. So the Australian track, if you mess up one turn, you're going to mess up three or four because. Yep. Every turn relies on you nailing the one before. It's a, it's what they call a flow-based track. Yeah. It was a very interesting track because there was a lot of offs, a lot of, I don't know if it was the resurfacing, but there was a lot of, uh, um, there was a lot of lockups causing a lot of off tracks, um, a few positions lost. And um, yeah, it was very interesting to see how much that took in part of it. Yeah, a huge amount. Let's talk about Norris first. Andy, shoot, my man, what do you got on... Well, Norris had an issue towards the end of the race. What popped up for him? I don't know exactly what it is, but you heard on the radio they asked Danny to hold position and not pressure Norris because they were worried Norris wasn't going to make it to the end. And Danny had to ask, what do I do if he stops? And they're like, well, pass him. (laughs) (laughs) What else are you going to do? I was going to say, I don't want to say it's an obvious answer, but like, oh, no, if Lando pulls over, you pull over behind him. We're a team, one in, all in. (laughs) Yeah, but I think they, they were really worried about Lando just binning it while Danny was coming up behind him and yep. then binning both cars so they told Danny to hold position. Not not anything you want to hear as a race car driver, but the fact that he did that got both cars home in the points, gave McLaren a little boost in the constructors. And and considering how the year's gone so far... They needed it. That it was it was a very smart team play that just, righto boys, this is absolutely better than what we should be doing. Hold position. Get those points. Get us that step up on the ladder basically um i don't see it's i hate to say but i don't see any of them winning the drivers championship absolutely not nah but the, so as a team they're going for construction and just every point counts and so i'm so glad they did get over the line both on points well yep. they need they need to be as well either as high up as possible by june or as low as possible by june because that's when the wind tunnel time resets yeah i learned that in the last week it resets in june now is that that's near the mid-season break, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought it was it was for the whole season. No, apparently in June it resets and then you get more time in the tunnel depending on your position. I really like that idea because it will definitely give Aston Martin a well-needed leg up in yeah. the fixing department. So I think I think that's a brilliant idea. I know it's his home race. They did fine. There's not a huge... It's his home race. It's our boy. It's the big dick himself. But there's nothing more to say. They just kind of, they qualified well. They raced fine. Early on, though, there was a little bit of Danny being like, I think I'm quicker here. And they were yeah. like, leave it, man. It's all good. And I, I was fine with it. Lando had a horrible start. Um, and we, I don't think we mentioned Lewis had a great start. Yeah, Lewis. He destroyed that start. Yeah. It's Lewis. He's so good off the line. Like, I I mean, Provided we Provided like, the brake magic isn't on. Oh. Hey, no, dude, he shot off the line there. It was the first corner that became an issue. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we like to rag on Lewis because he is a bit of a sook on the radio. However, he is just that bloody good. 
That's yeah. like, yes, you know, the machinery does help too, of course, but that's also part of F1. So I think it's a moot point when someone says, well, the best car wins. Like, yeah, of course, that's what it means by having the best car. Duh. <laughs> um, nah, Lewis freaked it. The McLaren boys did very, very well. So let's switch engine manufacturers and we will talk about the Alpines. They've still got reliability issues. I think that's apparent after this weekend. Go on. Well, I mean, obviously Alonso crashed out. He was having issues shifting down, so there's a reliability failure right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ocon, towards the end of the race, uh, he was he couldn't push on Albon when Albon was on those 50-something old tyres because he was overheating. They told him to pull back. So there, there, there's another one where they probably could have lost a car. They could have lost Ocon if he'd have been pushing. You're right. Okay. So I you bet you didn't know that, did you? Because that was a radio message to Albon. Ocon's oh. been told to pull back. He's overheating. There you go. Okay. I mean, we have said numerous times, but we will say it again. Alpine did say that they are putting performance over reliability this year. They might have swung the pendulum too far. I mean, if you're not able to close up on a car with 57-lap old tyres with a driver who's not driving the best vehicle on the grid and yours is clearly a lot quicker, there's something significantly wrong with how that car is heating up and also performing, especially with that gearbox. Now, that might just be a gearbox issue. Yeah. Um, but that's not good for Fernando either. Now... Did, have they released information on whether that, that engine's going to stay in the car that he crashed? Or is I don't talking know. number four? I'm, th- I'm assuming. I'm, I'm assuming, assuming they'll try and fix it. I think so, because it was it looked like it was mainly front right, aero yeah. chassis sort of damage, well, nothing towards the back. The the positive about this race is, is all the cars will be back in the factory by Tuesday. Yep. So everyone will be able to just have a look at what the damage from the past three races. Because it's been three races since they've probably been in the factory. Yeah, I'd say that. And they can actually figure out what they need to do for Imola in two weeks. Imola is a very good race too. It is going to be good. And Aston's going to be scraping parts together at this point. Because they've got restrictions on how much they can spend. Yes. Is that how much is on the car or how much budget they have? Like if they crash- That's spending money for team. Total, so, so everything it's included. It's more like you a, break, the less stuff you're going to have. Yeah, it's like, it's like a footy salary cap. Yeah, okay. So it, yeah. it, it covers yeah, the team personnel I don't personnel think Reese has watched a game of football in his entire life, no, bro. It, <laughs> it covers team personnel and parts as well in that spending cap. Very much yeah. so. Because a couple, one in the clock back, a couple of years ago in uh, pre-season testing at Barcelona, the Williams car was so bad, they crashed it twice and they were actually worried that hey, man, if we go through another front wing, we're out for testing because we only have four wings and we've broken three of them. And this was back when they were manufacturing everything on the car. Yep, all themselves. That's really it for Alpine, I would say, guys. If they can kind of get some reliability back in that car, I think we see a couple of Fernando podiums this year. They were performing excellent in F- like all, the, all the free practices and qualifying. Yeah, but, but they don't get you the points, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't. However, I think why they do so well in that is because there's not many cars on track. You know what I mean? The, the average temperature of how they're running in practices is a lot lower than it is 
under race spec. They're a lot lighter because they don't have a full load of fuel and they're not jammed up in the dirty air behind the other cars. And yes, I know they have reduced the amount of dirty air these cars are in this year by a lot. I think, what, 33% or something, a third. Something like that. But that's still 66% of a very, very hot engine and air blowing over that car for 50 laps or whatnot. Should we move on? Yeah, look, I think we should. I, the reason I'm hesitating is because i got to pull the Band-Aid off and we need to talk about the Red Bull powertrain cars. And we're going to start with the big boys this weekend. Poor Max. Heartbroken. I had had too much to drink to deal with that situation as it happened. <laughs> I did not have a good time when that occurred. I had desked. Like, I smacked my head against the desk at work. I'd and I was in the virtual office and everyone's just looking at me. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, Max crashed out. <laughs> well, to be fair, he didn't crash. He still went out. The car broke again. Fuel leak. Fuel leak. Not good. Max has always been a win it or bin it kind of racer. And every year, except for this year, it's because he wins it or bins it. But this year, he either wins it or bins it because the powertrain or the car itself isn't reliable. Uh, I don't want to hamper on fire marshals, but Australia has bad fire marshals. <laughs> oh, every- <laughs> they missed it. He, Again, Max dude. had to wave the moment. was like, dude, it's it, on fire. He just walked up to the car, stared at it, and was like, this is an F1 car. And he was just staring at it. And Max is like, it's on fire. <laughs> Do <Doing> the <laughs> job. Where was Seb when you need him? Was Seb still racing at that point? No, he was well back in the paddock. <laughs> Damn it. Um, honestly, he can just pull over and put it out because he's not getting points anyway. Yeah. I'm just saying. Look, I know that. Helmet Marco is coming out and trying to assuage the press or things like that. But the question I have for you boys is, can Max go back to back? No. What's your take, Reese? I don't think so. Maybe we'll get more into it when we get to Ferrari. But it's one thing I wanted to bring up was how interesting the philosophies are from the engineering. You see Horner coming out and he says, quote, I would rather fix a fast car than try make a reliable slow one fast and yeah it, i did it, say that it's interesting because that is the two philosophies there's the, there's the mercedes that have a reliable car who are now second in drivers and slow and slow which they need to fix but then you've got alpine and red bull that are crashing out and they're not getting the points but they're which fast one, yeah they're fast and they're but really quick which one's going to overcome it first red that's, bull and that's th- i don't think and then you've got Ferrari that doesn't have any problems. Oh, yeah, so, minor, minor, minor I, problems. Yeah, and I think you see Red Bull come out first and then uh, over the time get those points and they will get the seconds. After they go back to Imola, get in the factory, understand what's working out. It's the easiest thing to fix reliability over how making a car go fast. I reckon. Yeah, I would say reliability is easier than making a whole car go quicker. But it does make me very nervous as a Red Bull and especially a Max fan to have his title defense and his first title defense essentially taken out of his own hands. I mean, there was no way he was overtaking Leclerc. No. I mean, he was going to get second place. He was comfortable in second place. But again, just couldn't, the car couldn't make it. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's hard to watch as fans. Because the only person who can realistically take the fight to Leclerc at the moment is either Carlos or Max. Yeah. And Carlos doesn't count because he's his teammate. 
we we want good competition. We're seeing incredible competition from P3 to P20 across the grid. Those cars are either – everyone's fighting. P18 Aston Mons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. They're not really fighting that much. But, yeah, Max, that Red Bull car is letting him down at the moment. However, Checo. Before we move on to Checo, did you know Max actually had to compromise his race? He had to stay off the curbs at turn five because that's they I'm not gonna say it was directly related to the issues, but the engineers told him to stay off those curbs at all costs because it was making something worse in the car. I don't know if that would be related to reliability. Again, all of this well, is just I mean, a stabbing if, in the dark. He yeah. could have been shaking the fuel one that exactly. is that's caused exactly. the fuel leak. That was exactly. gonna be my point is that he was rattling something that they were worried about. Yeah, if the engineers say you can't race properly to your full potential there's something something very wrong, wrong in the with car. car yeah now can we talk about Checo because he absolutely killed it this weekend yeah let's talk about Checo do you know what you had to ask like is his car right after Max crashed <laughs> yeah. out like and they didn't tell him they're like it doesn't concern us bro it's which well, yeah, makes me think his engineer kind of did the old pod race situation threw a spanner in there right at the start of the race and went that'll get him oh <laughs> <laughs> there's no way absolutely not no way that happened no Funny, though. Yeah, it is pretty good. What's your takeaway on Checo this weekend, Reese? Um, Great race. The funny thing I found from that conversation was the engineers saying it's not related to your car. Which, like, what does that mean? It, obviously, it's not the car he's driving, so it's not related to him. But is that, I would say that after the first race, you'd yep. be thinking something, and then the engineers wouldn't want to say that on the radio. It's true. So do you push? Do you not push? Do you, yeah? But then um, it could have been anything. We like I said, Max had so much changed on his car pre-race, and there was only one thing changed on Checo's car. So which is a radiator duct? Yeah, exactly. Like as far as I'm concerned, it's probably something to do with those changes that's caused Max to crash out. So that's why it was like Checo, it's fine. It's not your car. Just get your car home, sort yeah, of thing. Focus, buddy. Yeah. We've got a job to do now. And did you see him have to ask if his uh, race engineer was still awake by the end? That's, I love, I was going to bring that up. I love when the drivers do the classic, are you awake there, buddy? That's not the first time Checo said that. He said that a few times in the past as well, where he's like, are you still there? What's going on? But in, it's in good humor because he was cruising where he was. Absolutely just putting in the laps. He did home. He did what he needed to do to get to salvage this race because you got to consider Max has dropped 36 points now and Checo's top 15 in the Constructors Championship. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points to try and recover. The only solace is that only one Ferrari finished this weekend. But we can't rely on that to continue. Absolutely not because it wasn't a car issue. It was a very, very, very rare driver fault. Yep. Alpha Tori though. What the hell? Alpha Tori on that safety car lap with Schumacher. Gasly slow. Uh, brake tested Sonoda. Sonoda then slows down and Schumacher nearly hits both of them. First of all, a massive credit to Schumacher for instead of going off his nut, he just said, holy cow. Yeah. That was was his only reaction. He just went, holy cow. Holy cow, what was that? Yep. That, and the onboard of that was terrifying. That was so close. I I would have penalized AlphaTauri for that. We don't know what the whole thing is, but if that had been an accident... He was trying to get him on the max rule. (laughs) (laughs) They were just starting and slowing. And on the straight, you think they'd be cruising, just, you know, waving Waving. and stuff. And yet they've just slammed their brakes on and nearly caused Schumacher to run up their ass. It was full on. I would have penalized the team. I would have run up the back of them. 
Oh, there's no. It. Yeah, look, there's no. Oh, way then the Haas wouldn't run at Imola. Yeah, They're probably true. on their last wing. <laughs> <laughs> They've gone through a couple. It was a little bit lackluster for AlphaTauri this weekend as a whole. Yeah, Pierre wasn't where he normally is. Yuki isn't performing poorly. I think he went off the track once during the race. Yeah. Yeah. But it, that car, there's something up with that car because Yuki is just not performing. And Gasly's not where we expect him to be. Gasly wasn't. Now, I don't know if that was a, a whole weekend thing or if that was the red flag in qualifying that knocked him down a little bit. He said in the post-race that he's been struggling with the car and getting to grips with it. Now, do we... Now we're gonna just we're gonna do some speculation here, but do we think that is a Red Bull powertrain issue or the AlphaTauri chassis design I think it's issue? The chassis. Yep. Dead purely because uh, Gasly's also not where we expect him to be with his talent. He's incredible. He's exactly. a very consistent driver. That kid. He's not been consistent this year. I don't, I think it's a chassis or some kind of design philosophy because Red Bull's obviously going well. But AlphaTauri is just not showing up. Especially this weekend. I don't Especially know if yeah, this weekend. I don't know if it's the track also. that They may be more turvy and turny and less straight roady. Yep. <laughs> yep. But they're not showing up. They really aren't. I guess the takeaway for AlphaTauri is their issues aren't... Either, one, either their issues aren't as egregious as some of the other teams' issues or we're not focusing on them as much as we are some of the other teams because AlphaTauri is the sleeper team of the grid. They're always competing, except for this race, really, really well, and they don't. They get very little airtime. They don't get spoken about a huge amount across the grid. But they haven't really been there in any of the races, if you think about where Pierre normally is. And, like, sixth place is Pierre's, normally. Normally. That's his average at this point, is sixth. Six in qualifying, six in finishing. And they're not there. No. Red Bull as a whole, both teams included, clearly has a fair chunk of work to do to keep competing and pushing for there's the rest be, of this season. There's going to be some late nights over the next two weeks, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Should we move on to Ferrari? Yeah. Excellent. Let's start today with Alfa Romeo. I don't have a huge amount. What has got points? He was pushed off because of Stroll. That's about it. Yep. Joe is doing rookie things. He's yeah, rookie things. Not getting much airtime, though. Yeah. He didn't and crash into signs. That was pretty... I thought that was a good... Good idea. reaction. And when I say yeah. rookie things, I don't want to mean like, oh, he's crashing, you know, he's a new kid. He's doing fine. He wasn't... Because when rookies come into this sport, most of them come in with an insane amount of hype. They've just won a championship... They blasted through the ranks. No one could catch him. No one could touch him. They're all freaks. That's not Joe. And that I don't want that to be a dig at him. He hasn't won F2. He's been in there for a long time. He's very, very competent. And he's bought that style of how he competes to F1, which is nothing crazy, nothing blowing anyone's mind, but putting in the laps, driving well. I don't think we could really knock his driving skill whatsoever. He's not spinning. He's not doing anything dangerous. The car is clearly not perfect, and that's mainly a chassis thing. The engine's phenomenal, and that's really what's allowing Bottas to do Bottas things, which is pants so many cars in front of him that he shouldn't be able to because he was cracking this weekend. 
apart from the run-in with Stroll. Yeah. But outside of that, Alfa Romeo, I would say you can put this in the books as a successful weekend from where they are. Yeah, I can't see them ever aiming for points with Joe. Like, they're expecting to get 11th and pick up the paces. Yeah, and I think that's also a very, very fair weight or burden to put on a rookie is, mate, this car's not a point-getting car, but as long as you're close enough, things are going to go wrong. Be there when it be there when when it matters, and just stay consistent, and that's what he's doing. And so practice, 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 and he's doing it. Yeah, because I think with Joe, the idea is to get him to next season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, get him to next season. He brings a lot of money to that team. He brings the nation of China and their fan base to the sport, and that's a massive thing. A huge amount of people who enjoy the sport over there. And we're finally going back to China next year. If they're as biased to him as we are to. Uh, big dick Danny Rick, it would be mental. They I won't let him out of the country when he doesn't win. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, if you're keeping up with any of the world news, Shanghai is having a very bad time at the moment. No yeah. one can be let out at all. So I know this is going to be controversial, but do you actually see us getting back to China next year? Like It is slated, but yes. with what is going on in the world right now, do we actually get back to China? Yeah, I think so, and here's why. Because China is totalitarian in nature with their government and it and it is a totalitarian government that's not a dig yes i see is going back to china do i see any fans there no okay i see essentially them creating a zone where like like the nba bubble in florida no one is there but the crews and the cameras so i think it will be an empty race um but they will definitely china wants a gp there they've made that very clear i think they will do anything to make that happen Especially if that means going that well, the norm, the normal citizen can't attend. I don't think they will step away from making that choice whatsoever. Okay. I think we handled that pretty well. That wasn't too controversial, was it? I think no. that did. For, th- <laughs> oh, you did for really us, that's well. pretty good. <laughs> that's it for Alfa Romeo. Let's talk about. See, now I've forgotten. I've forgotten the other Ferrari team. Ass. Whoops. You're really good at this. They were pretty I'm really good at this, this weekend. They were. It was not not what, what we expected. expected. Very forgetful. I was a bit disappointed. I was ready for them to come roaring. Especially because Australia is historically a really good harsh track. But I don't think we can say that. I think we can say Turn 9 is historically a harsh corner now because they took that out and they were nowhere. Yeah. But not a bad weekend either. Both cars finished. I think it's a learning curve. I think they expected to be a lot higher. But they just couldn't get their setup right. Yep. And they just took this as like, all right, let's just let's just get to the end. Let's just see what we can do. I mean, worse things have happened. We could they could have ended up in the points of a few more cars that crashed out, you know? Like Oh, I don't think anyone can class this as a failure for Haas this weekend. Uh, both cars kept the wheels on. It's a success. <laughs> a massive success for Haas in Australia. They did that what? Twice in one year and then once the year before or something like that? No, they've only done it in the one year. In the one year. And it was the first year Drive to Survive was there. Yeah, that's right. Because it was the first episode of the first season of Drive to Survive was essentially Haas is going down the drain. Yep. They're they're on for a good year. We know that. I don't think anyone can really contest that Haas is the most improved team on the grid, regardless of this weekend. Them and Ferrari. Yeah, and Ferrari too. The only reason I'm saying improved is they've gone from 10th, even though Ferrari went from, what, 3rd or 4th to 1st? I mean, that's 3rd to 1st. 3rd to 1st. That's that's the improvement that matters. 
But seeing Haas make this jump, even though it wasn't a super, super exciting weekend for them, they both look good. Mick's clearly getting better. Like, Mick is getting a lot better. He's more comfortable. I think I said this before, but I'll say it again. Once we get to EMLR and we see him on a proper racetrack, I think that's when we'll know where these cars are at. True. It's the same as most sports. You can't really count anything until around five. Yeah. But it's always fun. It's always fun to speculate. Do we see a Haas podium this year? No. No. Unless uh, there's a big crash. No. Unless we I'm have thinking. a Magello-style crash yeah. at the start, we're not sort of going to see a Haas podium. We might see them get fourth. You know, I'll call it fourth. I think fourth is, yeah, pretty bang on. But I don't see them making that extra jump to it's, third. Look, it's a it's a massive mountain to climb from fourth to third. It's Definitely. huge. That's the big. That would. That's the hardest gap to close. Although with the way the Red Bulls are going, if a Haas is in fourth towards the end of the race and the Red Bull conks out, wouldn't shock me. Yeah, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. I don't know if they'd get that high. As much as I do like Haas this year, they've still got Mercedes better than them. McLaren's looking a bit better than them now. Yeah, it's but true. And it depends on the racetrack. Like, let, let's take Monaco for a shit example, but it's good for what I'm going to say. It's a qualifying race, right? So where you qualify is probably where you're going to finish. And K-Mag's bloody quick in qualifying. Exactly. So if K-Mag can, you know, knock it out of the park on qualifying day and just... Hold tight for those 72 laps. I can't see them not, you know, being up there. I think I think the the stance that we're going to take for this weekend is it was a misstep, but it was, you're still on the up and up. You learn from your mistakes. I'm yeah. hoping they just come out and they know what they've done wrong. They go back to the factory. They learn. They come out better for the rest of the season and yep. hopefully get that fourth. Haas are now the people's champ. They're Definitely. The, they're the people's team. I'm confident in calling him that. I don't think there's Dwayne a Dwayne the Haas Johnson. <laughs> that's the second that's the second wrestling reference in two weeks. I like it. The Brock Lesnar one was incredible. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> big boys. The big boys. I'm calling it now. Charles is gonna win the championship. Yeah. I can't I can't see it any other way right now. Charles I- is just it's gonna take a monumental Ferrari style failure. For Charles not to win it. Well, that's my only counterpoint. If anyone can fuck this up from now, it's only Ferrari. Because I don't see anyone beating them. I can only see Ferrari beating themselves. Agreed. But plan A plus five is Charles wins the World Drivers' Championship. Oh, absolutely. Safety car, you can account for a few of those laps, but that's the first time in years they've had a plan A with a plus attached to it. And if anyone doesn't know... Plan A plus five means that is our optimum strategy, but you can run for five laps longer than we expected you to. Yeah. If it is a plan A minus four, it means, hey, we're still going to try our main strategy, but you need to pit earlier. It was a massive positive sign. When that came over the radio, I think the people I was with, we all looked at each other and went, oh, yeah, that's exactly what Charles wants to hear. Yeah. And also, speaking of Charles, doing the fastest lap and then saying, you want to see me do it again? Do you want to see me do it again? (laughs) I'll do it again. I'll fucking do it again, bro. I'll do it all day. <laughs> I got a good stat for you. So Charles got the win. He led every lap, was pole and fastest lap. That's a grand slam. Not a grand slam. It's called a grand clam or something on the, the graphic F1 put out. Oh, they C- actually have a term for it? Yeah, like it's C-H-E-L-E-M. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not even going to try. Well, it sounds French, so it probably is grand win because that's everything weird. However, 
every driver that's got one of those from 2011, no, 2010 to now has won the World Drivers' Championship. Well, Lewis used to get them all the time. No, not always, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know I know that Lewis is an outlier because on that set, but... Vettel did it four times and won the World Drivers Championship. Oh wow! So like that, but like that hap- that's included there. Nico did it the one year he won. Oh, okay. Max so. did it last year. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's other people in that stuff. It's a sign. It is a sign that Charles has won this. Look, it's crazy to sit at race three with how close and competitive the season is and go, "Oh yeah, Charles has got this in the bag." But it from like I mean, shake the magic fucking eight ball. All signs point to yes here. He is on. Fire at the moment. It's going to take a monumental collapse for Ferrari to lose this. Yeah, and also not only a monumental collapse, but a monumental pulling together for another team to beat them because they're two biggest competitors at the moment, or three biggest competitors, Alpine, Red Bull, and Mercedes, pace-wise, aren't close enough for them to just pick up the scraps and win. No. They need to also put something special together to dominate on top of Ferrari falling in order to get them the win. Now, it's motorsports, and now that we've said it, anything could happen. But I don't see it changing. I think that Charles will win, what, 20 of the races this year? I don't think he'll win 20, but I think he'll win enough so that by the time we hit USA, Mexico, we could probably say the championship's done by then. Yep. It's definitely not going to come to the last race like last year. No, I don't think think so at this point. he's going to comfortably win at some point. I think the only thing you boys haven't taken into account is the uh, mid-season FIA investigation. Oh, no. I said that last week. Are they cheating? They're not. <laughs> they might be. It's all allegedly. Every statement <laughs> these idiots are saying is allegedly. <laughs> now I'm going to tag another allegedly on this. To be fair. Mom's to be fair. Last I'm time not saying they are. I'm just questioning. But Jack's <laughs> stating. I am. <laughs> They're not cheating. No. And last time they got caught, they also weren't cheating. But that's also because Ferrari has essentially constitutional rights when it comes to the FIA rulebook. They, they still have their veto, don't they? Maybe. So, now, if I've got this wrong, I'm sure someone will yell at me on the internet for it. And I welcome that because I don't check. Um, I believe in the past, Ferrari actually has a veto power for some changes that the FIA can introduce. Now, I don't know if that's maintained currently. And of course, do I actually think they're cheating? No, of course not. I genuinely believe they've put together a brilliant racing car. We're seeing something like the F2004 2.0 with this machine. Yep. Because there is no way that car can porpoise so much down the main straight and the second they hit the brakes, lock in, crouch, and just blitz through the corners. That It's incredible to watch. They've, they've got it right 100%. They do. Year. It's crazy to think that coming from what they've been. Yep. And they've been memed as a clown. Oh, and especially from, and Mattia copped most of that flack too. Yeah. Like a lot of the Ferrari jokes weren't aimed at Ferrari as a whole. They were aimed at Mattia Bonotto, who came out, what, last year and went, yep, we're changing our strategy. We're solely focusing on 2022. We're not going to do the normal Ferrari fanfare. It's paid off. And just... Rephrase that in Italian because that's how he spoke because he doesn't speak English anymore. I also like that too. I I think it's sort of funny. He's just miraculously forgotten how to speak English. (laughs) (laughs) Except when they won for the first race and he went up and did an interview in English the first one. I know, right? (laughs) I can speak English now. We're winning. It's paying dividends for them. The fight between Red Bull and Mercedes have left them behind in this and they're definitely in front. Well, Christian said that. 
he said that uh, Ferrari have a massive advantage because they solely dedicated this year, like to this year's car last year, whereas Red Bull and Mercedes stayed in it right till the end, sort of thing. Which they and they had to because they were they were so close the whole time. No one was willing to not one fight for Max's first championship or two fight for Lewis's eighth. Yes, which is a record breaking championship as well. Do we still think he'll ever make that eighth? Is he racing next year? Yeah. Because it's not happening this year. It's yeah. Not, I think he's in it next year. Next yeah. next year, if they fix it, like anything can happen over this year. If they get enough information, if they fix the cars, I feel like Mercedes engineers are some of the best out of the top cars. They are still, in my mind, the best team in F1. Yeah. They're, and they just need to catch up. They're probably a few months behind because... They yep. started a few months later. And look, in reality, when you are as good as Lewis, you stop racing when you want to stop racing. Same as Kimi, same as Seb. When they don't want to race anymore, they'll let everybody know. But you seem so disheartened for 10th. That's I don't know how much he has in him. Uh, he's not Lewis, to be fair, and the Lu- same when Lewis the comes stop. second, he is just as devastated as when he comes 10th. Lewis is just a very emotional person. And I don't mean emotional in a bad way, but he doesn't have a media face whatsoever. He just speaks his heart no matter what. Yes, it can be very, very frustrating sometimes, but it plays massively into his favor when it does all his other stuff. That emotion that he shows, yes, it can great. It especially grates the Australian culture the wrong way. We have, we don't, we don't like that style of speaking and that level of emotion normally. But, yeah, no, I see, I see him staying. I believe it is only a matter of time before Mercedes fixes that car. Uh, I don't think the question should ever be if. The question is only when. when. And they're going to fix it. Lewis, yeah, look, it's with his record, it's crazy to say, no, he can't get another one. Chances point to, yeah, absolutely, he can get another one. So I think we'll see Lewis get eight. I don't think he will want to stop until he has two or three years in a row where it turns out, okay, man, it's never coming. Yeah, you know what uh, I mean? Yeah. Yeah, especially with these this new uh, era of downforce or ground ground effect cars. Yeah. It, it is a big change. They can't just roll into this season and do what they've done in the previous seasons. They had to fully redesign the car and fully engineer and put different philosophies in the car. Yeah, 100%. Carlos, I know we've spoken him about Carlos on and off through the podcast, but he looked fine all weekend. He just saw red and made a mistake and it cost him everything this week. Yeah. That's all we can really say about Carlos, to be fair. Yeah. He made a mistake. That's it. Yep. How much, because his engine didn't start properly in Q3 that he couldn't get out and then his steering wheel didn't. They just, they changed the steering wheel. I can't remember why. I think it had something to do with the the car not being able to start properly in Q3. How much of those problems do you reckon are going to trickle onto Leclerc? No. None. No, I don't think so. Uh, I think that's more a setup thing. Yeah, and also these cars are, by nature, incredibly hard to work with. Like, they are right on the limit at all times. There's not a weekend where someone's car has gremlins in it. It's just, it is part of the sport. Every weekend someone goes, oh, that's not working for some reason, even though all the data says yes, even though all our sensors are fine. There's just, call it the F1 racing gods, call it the sports gods, call it whatever you want. Every now and then, 
something just goes weird in these absolute cutting edge pieces of technology and no one can really figure it out. Yeah, that's a good summation of what's been going on with Carlos. Yep. Because again, it's clearly not a talent thing. It's clearly not a mindset thing. I mean, that last week uh, in the preview, we spoke a lot about how a lot of the media saying like, oh, is Carlos not mentally up to scratch? It's absolute bullshit. Yeah. Clearly he is. They're all incredible athletes with mental coaches, with physios who are at the top of their game. The dude made a mistake and he even admitted that. Next, We probably won't say that again. The last mistake he made was Russia two years ago. Yeah, true. And that was the last time he ever made a mistake, really. That cost him anything. Every now and then they go, he goes off a little bit. But yeah, I think we're going to see a Charles World Championship. It also wouldn't shock me if... Ferrari maintains and wins the Constructors' Championship either. I see them winning construction Championship as well. Yep. Uh, my big take of it, how good is Sainz? Can he push second every week to push the other guys out to secure yeah. that win from I think Max? That's, I think that's a good... He could do that. And I think so too. I think The I only think- thing standing in his way on that will be Max. Yeah. I think he is... Equal, if not better, skill level than Checo. The only person who can really outskill him, who has the pace at the moment, is Max. But as we said with Max, it has nothing to do with Max and everything to do with that Red Bull. And yeah. if that can get it together. But I can't see, like, it, it's going to be the two Ferraris and the two Red Bulls at the top of the table, or top of the qualifying sheets until that Mercedes is fixed. And after, you know, if that takes 12, 13 races, it's, it's going to come down to Red Bull and Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship. And yep. it'll come down to keeping Checo, Science, Max, and Leclerc at the top in the top four positions and how they can work the strategy around that. And we'll see a really good 2v2 strategy battle with each team trying to fake the other one out. Absolutely. And again, the dark horse of this situation is when Mercedes, when Mercedes get boots down that door and starts getting involved because both of the Mercedes drivers are incredible racers. So, it's look, all in all, a pretty lackluster weekend all around. But the championship is still looking very, very exciting. Well, that about wraps up the race in its entirety. Andy, I believe you have our prediction updates, which I don't really want to listen to this week because I didn't do too good. I know, but you were dumb and didn't put Leclerc in your top five. Oh, so that's I can't your own believe. Fault. This is why I need you to know start what's writing really stuff funny? down because I you never know, write anything down. You know what's really funny? You said to me, as we were leaving last week, Jack didn't put Leclerc in his top five. And I went, yep, he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got for us, big man? All right, we'll start with Davo. He scored a whopping three points on a joke. We joked that he'd have Hamilton first, Russell second, Norris third, Albon fourth, and Stroll fifth. He got three of those. <laughs> Not in position, but he got three of them. He got three in there. What's the max points you can get a, a weekend on this competition? Is it 15? Actually, it's probably higher. It's probably higher, right. yeah. I'm not going to do the math off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Mm-hmm. So it's five if you get them in the top five, and then a win, you get an extra five points. It's an and extra then it's th- a five factorial backwards. And from it's that. three for second, two for third, and then it's an extra point if you get fourth and fifth right. 12, 17 points. There you go. Hey, 15 is not a bad guess. That's a good guess for someone who doesn't know math. I'm shocking at mathematics. <laughs> anyway, yeah. That dickhead over in the UK got three points when have we you, joked. Have you seen his Instagram photos? He's over there having the best time too. 
Yeah, because he's not over here dealing with us. Yeah, that's fair. I, he's going to... I don't even think he's been listening to the episodes. Oh, he listened to one on the plane. Yeah. So Dave, who normally sits on the show with us, has gone on a holiday. He's only been on once, though. It's true. He's got good intentions, the boy. But he listened to one of our episodes on the way over on a on a nighttime flight and he accidentally laughed and woke up the lady next to him. Which, I mean, I think we've got our first hater of the show from that because I don't think she's big fans of us. Nope. Who else? Anyway, I'm going to move on to you next, Jacko, because you scored a one point. Who did I get my point for? You got your point for fifth place with Russell. You! It's not, I don't <laughs> even you like had, him that much. <laughs> you had Verstappen one. Well, Damn it. He cocked that up. You had Science second. Damn it. You had Big Dick in third. He still did well. He did do well. And you had Pierre Gasly in fourth. Oh, that's a shocking. That's, that's a, a shocker for me this week. Terrible one. I had Verstappen one. Thanks, mate. Well done. Leclerc second. So I got a point. Science third. Thanks, mate. Perez fourth. Well, I got a point there. And I got Russell fifth. So that's three points for me. And then our round winner. Shockingly, the yes. tinfoil prophet. I predict the future. <laughs> predicted that Leclerc would win. So that's six points right there. Oh, God damn it. He had Verstappen and Saints second and third, so no points. He then had Perez in fourth. Well, that's a point, so that's a seven. And then you got Magnussen in fifth, and he didn't, yeah, didn't get I'm going to forget about that. But is this what it feels like for Charles when he wins? Like, Yeah, you I've, win the round, mate. I feel great. I'm so happy. I came out of this race knowing that I came first. And That's I've right. been happy for the last 24 hours. Well, you hours. deserve some champagne, but I don't have any, so we'll just take you out back and fucking hose you off for 10 <laughs> minutes. So our standings are, and you'll see the graphic as soon as this episode comes out, currently in fourth is Dave on four points. Thank God. Second is Reese, who is now on eight points. Coming up, coming up. Jacko has moved on to 15 points and is sitting in second. Yep. And still... Leading our world championship is me on a whopping 21 points. And also still world champion Alexander Volkanovsky. Absolutely demolished the Korean zombie the other night. I'm off topic. That was a good fight, though. Yeah, it was a great fight. I think that's it, gentlemen. This has been a long one. It's been a lot to talk about, not much. So I think we wrap it up. Thank you very much for listening. I'm not going to do the normal spiel I do because you've heard it so many times now. Please leave a like or review if you want. Please show it to someone if you think you'll enjoy it. We love the fact that this show is growing. There are more and more in it out of you every week. So even if you've only listened to us once, thank you so much. It's so nice to know that people are out there loving the sport like we do, willing to get involved. Can I give a shout out to two of our new listeners? Absolutely. Liam Gleeson over in England and Nick Bonnie down in Melbourne, two guys I used to work with. Well, one I used to work with and one I still work with. They're giving us a listen now. Absolutely. It, it does... I know it sounds so weird because we just throw ourselves out on the internet like all the big boy podcasts, but we've only just started and it blows our mind that people are out there finding us and thinking that we have something interesting or funny to say. So thank you so much from all of us, from myself and Riso and Andy. Also, thank you from our producer, Tommy and Davo. We love doing this and we hope to eventually see you guys in person one day, preferably down at Albert Park. Definitely. All right. We will... When's the next race? Uh, we got a week off and then MR. Excellent. So we're going to take a week off and have a little break and then... Well, technically not. We'll have an episode out next week. It'll be the preview. Yeah, that's right. We're going to do a preview next week. So it'll be normal scheduling. Yep. Thanks so much, guys. And we'll see you later. See ya. Thanks, guys. There's not a huge...
He is huge. He's big dick Danny <laughs> Rick. <laughs> Sub racing. He'll definitely turn up with Winnie the Pooh on his helmet, though. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh, there we go. No, that was actually pretty good. Penis. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls.